<laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's no need no need for that. Um, thank you, thank you, Todd, for such a, a great, warm uh, welcome and an introduction. Um, so proud of you um, and what you have done, what you're doing. Um, yeah, it's like a. I know I'm not that much older than you, but I feel it's like a dad, and and like so. Just thank you for doing what you do and doing it well. Um, it actually is one of my favorite stories um, about ministry, so maybe we'll tell that later um, at the, the lunch about that day when uh, Todd came to know Jesus. But um, I'm really, truly honored to be here. Uh, just uh, thank you so much for having us. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story uh, as we walk through a passage of scripture and a little bit about our, our ministry. And uh, then just looking forward to continuing the conversations. Had so many really um, fun and, and warm conversations that we walked in this morning. So thank you already for your hospitality. Um, so I thought I would begin by just sharing a couple quick things about me that, that you may want to know, you may not want to know. Um, so really, it's up to you. Uh, not asking you to, to memorize any of this stuff. It's not going to be on quiz, but I just thought. As, as I get to know you guys, here's a couple things about me that you may may want to know. Uh, the first thing is uh, I am a Steelers fan. Um, and uh, okay, good, good, good. Um, I live closer to Philly, so I usually get booed. So this is really nice. I appreciate. It. I, thank you. That feels that feels good. Um, also, I, I love a good cheeseburger. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. If you're no, no cheeseburger lovers in here, like the Steelers have already, you've done it for me already. Uh, the, the next thing is I'm pretty okay at pickleball. Um, like, like I'm not great. I'm not great, but I'm pretty okay. Um, and so I enjoy doing that. And then uh, the last thing is some people say I look like Guy Fieri. Um, the, the cooking show. Like I don't, I don't see it, but um, that's what some people, uh, whatever. I mean. Maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Um, my oldest daughter made that and sent it to me, and this is my family. Uh, my wife and my youngest daughter is here, so Linda and Addison are here. Uh, we've been married 28 years. We had our anniversary yesterday. Um, so yeah, 28 years that we've been married. Um, our son is the tallest one of us. Uh, his name is Caleb. He actually lives in Pittsburgh. Brianna, our oldest daughter, lives in Long Island. And then, as I said, Addison is here with us. So thank you so much again for, for just uh, allowing us to be here. I thought this morning I would begin by asking a question that is, is, is really rhetorical because I feel like I know the answer. Um, and the question is this, and, and do me a favor, don't look at the person next to you when I ask this question, um, but have you ever been disappointed? Um, that's why I said don't look at the person next to you, resist that temptation. Um, no, and, and, and of course the answer is yes, right? We've all been disappointed by something. Sometimes you, you're at a restaurant and you see something and the menu, and you go, oh, that looks so good, right? And you're like, I'll have that. And then they bring it, and you go, no, no, no. I want the thing that was in the menu, right? I want that, not what this is. Um, you know, sometimes we, we make plans, and, and weather changes that, and we're just kind of a little disappointed. And, and the reality is we just kind of have learned to live with disappointment, right? It's just become such a part of life. Uh, and many of them are just so small that it just really doesn't bother us. Um, we just kind of go, no, I'm disappointed. But... There are things that have happened in our life where things that haven't gone according to our plan and it causes some deep disappointment, right? And sometimes that disappointment actually causes anger, right? Disappointment can easily lead to anger. 
And I see a lot of heads nodding and I go, okay, so you have experienced that. We don't need to, to go into like kind of really explain that. It's again, a part of life. So the next question I want to ask, I want you to not answer it right away. Don't answer it out loud. Because it's a question that for a lot of us, depending on where you were raised and how you were raised, it may cause you to be uncomfortable. But the question is this, have you ever been disappointed by God? Now again, some of you right away will say, oh no, not me, not me. Um, and I'm reminded of, I remember leading a Sunday school class and years and years ago, and, and somebody asked the question, is there any part of the Bible you don't like? And this one sweet older woman said, oh no, like I love every word. And I thought, really? Like, because there's a whole bunch of stuff. If I could take a Sharpie to it, like I would just scratch out of the Bible. But that's not, that's why I'm not God. Um, but but I, I asked the question, have you ever been disappointed with God? And if you, if that question makes you a little uncomfortable, I'm going to ask you just to kind of hang on with me. If you're sitting there going, yes, but I'm not sure I should say that, that's okay too. Because just like when we're disappointed a little bit in life because things don't go the way we'd hoped they would go, sometimes disappointment can lead to anger. And sometimes, again, this is a safe place, but sometimes our disappointment with God can lead to anger with God. And I used to think that that wasn't okay. I used to think that that, would, that was like, oh, I must be in sin if I'm, if I'm wrestling with that. And then I found... Psalm 77. And so this morning, I'm going to ask if you would turn there, if you would walk with me through Psalm 77. Um, I, I, I want to share some things that potentially may make you a little bit uncomfortable. But again, hold on with me till we get to the end. Psalm 77. This is a Psalm of Asaph. And we don't know what was happening that caused him to write these words. And I think that's probably for the best because we can hear those words and go, okay, I'm going to, I can insert my situation, my disappointment, my anger into these words. So let's read this together. It says this, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with my hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. And, and just to pause right there, and maybe to kind of those of you who are a little uncomfortable by the questions I've asked, will just kind of go, oh, wait, I've been there. I, I've, I've prayed at night in desperation saying, God, where, where are you? I've said those things and, and I've felt in my soul and I knew probably it wasn't right and I wrestled with it, but I have felt those feelings, those emotions of God, where are you? He goes on to say, I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. The psalmist continues, you don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. My guess is most of us in this room, when we, if we were to trace our journey with Jesus, we would see peaks and, and valleys. And sometimes in those valleys, it feels like the good old days when we used to sing songs in church and it was easy to praise his name. It was easy to sing how much we love him because 
It was a different time. And most of us have experienced singing songs when it hurts to praise him. The last thing he says, I search my soul and I ponder the difference now. Right? And, and if you've been there, if you look back over the peaks and valleys and you go, what's the difference? Why it was in this season I felt so close to God and now I'm like, I don't know if he's even listening. If you've been there, you know exactly what that feels like. And so what I want to suggest to you is, is what I see in this psalmist is a level of honesty that makes a lot of us just a little uncomfortable. But I want to encourage you to be honest. See, here's something I realized a long time ago that I'm sure is not new information to you, but God knows everything. (laughs) Like we can't trick God. Like you can walk into church and have the worst week ever and someone say, hey, how are you? And you can say, I'm so blessed. God is so good and just lie right through your teeth. You can do that every Sunday, but you can't go to prayer going, God, everything is so good. I am so happy because he already knows. And I love the way the psalmist kind of gives us permission to go before God with honest prayer, to go to him and say, I am not feeling close to you. In fact, I'm struggling. In fact, I don't even know if you're listening to me. Well, if, if that idea that makes you, like I, I've used that phrase several times now, a little uncomfortable. This next part of the psalm gets real rough. He begins to ask a series of questions. And these questions begin with, has the Lord rejected me forever? Oof. That's a tough one, right? Has the Lord rejected me forever will he never again be kind to me is his unfailing love forever have his promises permanently failed this these are questions that i don't ever see you know kind of skipped, um, um, stitched onto like a pillow or hanging on someone's wall like this is not a psalm you find in people's wall right hanging up in their homes these are, these are hard, ugly questions. Has, he, has God forgotten to be gracious to me? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? We catch our breath. Because the next question is even more difficult. Because he changes it now to a statement and he says, and then I said this. This is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. You see, I don't know if you've noticed the progression, right? At, at first it was like, I'm hurt, I'm in a deep trouble, I'm in, I'm in a difficult spot, and I cry out to God, and I don't know if you're listening. And then he starts to unpack that as he, as he searches his soul, he goes, like, has God forgotten me? Has he slammed the door on on his compassion has he rejected me those are strong questions but to get to the place of from asking those questions to now what the psalmist is pondering is god are you the one who's doing this to me do you see the difference do you see the hurt do you see how how deeply he must be in pain 
to make a statement. God, I think you're the one who's actually doing this to me. And I see honesty. And before we go any further, I want to stand here before you and and tell you about a season of my life where I felt as close to I've ever felt to those words. I'd been hired by a church that I probably shouldn't have um, been hired by. Um, it, there a lot of lot of circumstances um, as I was interviewing, discovered that the senior pastor was going to be leaving, and and I had never experienced that, but I had heard plenty of times that it's not a good idea for a youth pastor to join a staff when the senior pastor is transitioning out or they're getting a new one. And so I remember thinking, like, this is the end of the interview for us. Afterwards, a senior associate who had been on staff for 21 years, kind of like a grandfather in the short interactions that we had had, came up to me and said, hey, I saw that whole thing, and I understand it's probably not smart for a youth pastor to go to a church without a senior pastor. He goes, but I want to tell you, I am going to be the next senior pastor. I was like, oh. And I really kind of liked him. And, and he's like, you know, we have this transition plan in place. He's here till the end of the year, and then I'll be taken over. And I thought, man, a church that has that much, you know, I have planned ahead and a plan. I was like, let's go. And so we decided to continue the interview, and they offered us a job, and I took it. We got there in the beginning of November, and I couldn't find the senior pastor. And I remember asking someone, they said, oh, he retired early. And that didn't sound completely true, um, but I didn't know any better, and I was young enough in my career that I didn't really think that the church, the people in the church, wouldn't be completely honest with me. And, and so we kind of tried to figure out what was going on and, and, and who was you know, in charge. And, and the guy who said he was going to be the pastor is kind of serving as an interim. And so I thought, okay, well, I guess we're still on the right track. A month later, the first Sunday in December, one of the elders of the church came to me and asked me, he's like, hey, can I ask you a question? And I thought it was just going to be like, how are you getting along, people? Like, everything good? We were living in a house at the church home, like, like a missionary house. Is the house okay? I thought it was a question like that. And the question was, do you have any interest in becoming the senior pastor? And I thought, <laughs> what? Like, no, I've been here for a month. And I'm the youth pastor. Like, why would you even ask me that question? Like, that's crazy. And I remember his response is like, well, we just want to make sure all of our ducks are in a row. And I said, I don't know if you know what a duck is. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure because it seems like. And so I found out that the senior pastor was, was really kind of more exited than retired early. I found out that they weren't going to ask the senior associate to be the pastor. In fact, we all found out that they were officially moving on and going to search for someone one year to that date in a public business meeting. It was the first time that he heard that he was not going to be senior pastor. I remember coming home and saying to my wife, I think we might be in trouble. But I did what I just kind of instinctively would do, is I just worked harder. So for that year of transition where everything was weird, I just kind of worked hard and, and just kind of poured into the student ministry. It took us another year to find a pastor. I was just working hard and trying to stay out of the conversations and the interviews. They finally made a hire, and six months later, after we came back from one of our biggest events that we had ever had, a weekend retreat, it was just like everything that could have gone right went right and then some. 
In fact, the leaders, myself and, and Linda, would often say, when we think about that, we thought about that retreat, was like, God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Like, that was our theme verse. It was just amazing. And so on Tuesday, when I got to the office and there was an email from the senior pastor saying, can we meet today? I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir, we can. Because I was thinking, I'm probably getting a bonus. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk in and there, there might be like, he's going to have a big check. It actually might even be a big check, right? There'll be a photographer there. Like, we just think you're doing a great job. And so I walked in and, and he's like, well, let's have a seat. And so we sat down and he's like, uh, before, we, can you close the door? And I thought, well, actually all the admins are sitting right out there. <laughs> and it would be great if they could hear, like, what a great job I'm doing. Because a couple of them think I'm a mess. So if they could hear from you that I'm doing a great job, I'm like, no, no, none of that actually happened. I, it's like, okay, I'll close the door. And I sat down and he looked at me. He's like, Todd, hey, listen, I just want to say, there's no way to say this. Um, we met on Thursday before your retreat. And we're going to ask you to resign. And I remember shaking my head going, that doesn't sound like bonus. <laughs> like I feel like I missed the number in there. And I was just shocked. In fact, I walked home. I walked into the house and Linda was sitting there and she just said, hey, what are you doing home? Did you just get fired? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I did. Like, I don't. And she's like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, like they said they'll pay me for two more months and we can live here for like another month and a half. I, like, what, do, what are we going to do? And we didn't have an answer for that. Long story shorter, we, um, my, my, my dad actually had three one-bedroom apartments. One guy who'd lived there for years that month decided to move out. And he called and said, hey, why don't you come and just live? And at that point, we had our two older children. And for about a year, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment where my two kids would flip a coin every night to see who got the couch and who slept on the mattress on the floor. We went to food banks. We were struggling, and I was disappointed, and I was angry. And my phrase to God wasn't, have you turned your hand against me? My phrase, and I'm not super proud of this, but my phrase was, can you please go find someone else to kick around for a while? And I was hurt, and I was broken. But just like the psalmist who wrote or spoke those words something I believe happened when you read the psalm when you see what's next there's something that happens I believe after have you turned your hands against me and I don't know if you're like me but sometimes when you say something like something comes out of your mouth and you go ooh where did that come from when I spoke those words out loud I felt that I said ooh God God, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. And the psalmist said it this way. But then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. And I go, right. God, I don't know why this is happening now. I am really hurt. I'm angry. I'm broken. And I said something really stupid. But God, I remember all the things you've done. 
And he goes, I, I, I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God who is as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people. And can I just say one thing? As we sang that song just a little bit ago, you do all those things and you remember my name. And all of that you remembered, you remembered me. And so what I see in, in, this, in this moment is this idea of remembering him. But life is going to be filled with disappointments. Some of those disappointments may actually make us a little angry. Some of them might make us a lot angry. Some of us may feel the way this psalmist felt, but my encourage is for you is to be honest. But don't stay there. Remember him. The last part of the psalm, just really interesting, right? Like, I'm not the most artistic person in the room. I've never thought of Moses crossing the Red Sea, and I've never thought of the perspective of the water. But the psalmist at the end of this psalm does, and it's just a beautiful picture. It says this, when the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The crowds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world and the earth trembled and shook. And in our ministry, one of the things I love this idea of the water and, and what's happening is we use this phrase to kiss the wave. And it actually comes from a Charles Spurgeon quote where he says, I've learned to kiss the waves that toss me up against the rock of ages. Because the reality is the waves are just going to keep coming. The disappointment and the hurt and the trouble is just going to keep coming. And you and I, as we stand on that shoreline, and I don't know if you've been to the shore. My, my guess is on some level you have. My guess is maybe you even feel bad and need to confess like I do when you're standing on the shore and you notice someone who's not paying attention. And you see the wave coming. And you think to yourself, I could tell them, but they're probably not going to make it. And you see just someone standing, talking, and a wave just takes them out. And you see someone right next to them just enjoy that, like riding it in. And the difference is somebody was ready for it and somebody wasn't. And I realized that as that person gets up and kind of gurgling the water, there's another wave coming. They just don't stop. And so this idea of the water, if you look at the rest of the psalm, it says this. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. And, and, and as you find yourself in those seasons, those moments of deep trouble, of being disappointed or angry, as you, as you find yourself going, I, I need to be honest with God and tell him how I'm feeling, as you remember who he is, it allows you in that moment 
to kiss the wave. It allows you to ask the question, no longer ask the question, why is this happening to me? But to ask the question, God, why is this happening for me? What do you have for me in this season? What is it you want me to learn? And I believe in my heart that every trouble, every tragedy, every disappointment is a moment for us, just like Spurgeon said, to be drawn closer to the Rock of Ages. That season of of difficulty, when I was hurting and broken, God did not just abandon us. In fact, one of my favorite stories in that season, we were in the one-bedroom apartment. I had been working odd jobs and, and, and just trying to hold things together. And one day, Linda came in the back bedroom, and, and, and I tend to be a really emotional person, and, and, and Linda's not so much. So when I saw that her eyes were teary, I thought, something is really serious. And we sat down on the bed and she said, Todd, we need $425 by the end of the week or we're probably going to lose our car. And we just sat there on the bed. And I remember just, just thinking, like, I have no solution for this. Where will the money come from? And we just sat together and cried and prayed. And I allowed myself in that moment to be angry. And saying, God, why, I don't understand. Why is this so difficult? When will this season end for us? And she went back out into the living room where the kids were. And I sat there by myself, just kind of wrestling with God. And we are in church. And so I would not exaggerate this story one bit. While I was sitting there, my phone rang. And it was a ministry that I had written Bible studies for uh, for a while. It was a kind of a unique thing where we weren't paid money. We were given CDs. I don't know if anybody remembers CDs. But we were Christian music CDs, and we would write Bible studies for these CDs. And the phone rang. It was this ministry, this organization. They said, hey, Todd, we, there's a, a band coming out with a new album. It's really thematic. And they don't want one Bible study. They want ten. They want one for every song. And because it's like thematic, we really think one person should write them and it builds off each other. And we keep sitting here and, and we keep asking who could do it and your name just keeps coming up. They're like, would you consider doing that? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. I didn't really want to, but I thought it would give me an opportunity to think about something else. The next thing they said was, Todd, you know we don't pay our authors, but sometimes for special projects we have a little bit of money set aside and they said, it's not a lot, but we were just wondering if you would do it for $425. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you, you can feel the dam breaking. Like you can feel like the tears are about to, and, and, and you have moments before that happens. I had enough composure to say, that sounds great. I'll talk to you later. And I hung up and then everything just broke loose. And I remember sitting on the edge of that bed where just moments ago I was praying more like Asaph, God, where are you? I just don't know what you're going to do. And now I remember that story. And so for me, I have those moments in my life where the disappointments still come. But I remember who God is 
and what he's done. And so I kiss the wave. And what's really great is where we find ourselves today is in a season of now meeting with people who have gone through things that we have gone through. That, that I truly believe that God doesn't waste these moments. In, in fact, most of the time he takes our biggest mess and he makes it our, our message or our ministry. And so after all of these years, after hearing the words that there was, a, there was the one elder from that church, one elder who did not vote to do what they did. And he and his wife met with me several times and his wife kept saying to me, God's going to use this. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where it's so raw and you're like, I don't even want to hear that. Like, I don't, I'm not ready to hear that. And I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I was going to have to go through a season of healing. And I knew that at some point she was probably right. And after 26 years of ministry in the church as a youth pastor, as we sat at a a crossroad and we started to go, okay, God, what's next? Like, here's our life. We'll just, whatever you want us to do, we'll do. That distant echo of that elder's wife kept saying, God's going to use this. And we had talked about this opportunity. Wouldn't it be great one day to meet with youth pastors and spouses who are hurting and just care for them? And if I, just to be honest, I, I can totally share this with you guys. Every, every time we got to that point of going, wouldn't it be great to do that? You know what the one thing that stopped us was? There's no money there. I, I can't feed my family by doing that. And so we always were like, God, I feel like this is what you're leading us to, but we just don't know how it's going to work. And then a few years ago, we found an organization called Standing Stone. And they do what we want to do. And so we had several conversations and interviews. We made the decision about three years ago now to join Standing Stone and to sit with youth pastors and spouses who are hurting. And then in the last part of my time, I just want to share this, this one last story. Because it's so similar to my story. This happened just a few weeks ago as summer was winding down. I saw a message that was sent to me by a friend that was a, that they grabbed it from Facebook. And they said, hey, have you seen this yet? And a youth pastor wrote on a Facebook group with about 16,000 youth pastors. And the phrase was this. After a week-long mission trip, fresh out of the van, I just got let go. I'm gutted. And I read those words and I went, I, I know that feeling. I know that right now. I know that hurt. And so I went to Facebook. I found him. I sent him a message. I said, we've never met, but this is what I do. If you need someone to talk to, I'd, I'd love to just walk alongside of you for a season. Completely free, no cost to you, no strings attached. And he said, man, I think I would really like that. I think I'm going to need it. And so every day that week we talked. On Thursday, he sent me a message. Just to get, This was Tuesday night. Tuesday night we talked. On Thursday, he sent me a message. He said, hey, my wife is really hurting. He said, I think your wife does this with you. Is that right? And I said, yeah. He goes, is there any way we can get them connected? And I said, absolutely. So we did. And they started talking immediately. And on Monday... Less than seven days from when he was let go. 
And, and, and I had had the conversation. We, what happened? What, what told, he told me a story very similar to my story. On Monday, we talked, and I could tell he was angry. And I said, what, what happened? What's going on? And he said, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to process this. He said, but yesterday, the church introduced their new youth pastor in less than seven days. They had already made the hire while he was on the mission trip, and they were just waiting for him to get back. And now Linda and I get to sit with him. I told you my story, and I always forget to tell you, I always forget to tell this part of the story, but it's just so interesting. Because for me, I was told that I was too contemporary, and I just didn't fit in at the church. That was the reason given. I found out about a month and a half later that the new senior pastor who was there for six months wanted to hire his best friend's son. And I remember thinking, why couldn't you just say that? That would be an easier pill to swallow. And when I talked to this guy this, this past summer, new pastor was there less than a year and hired his friend to be the youth pastor. And I love that you as a church have invested in Linda and I to be the people who can sit with them and to care for them, to walk them through what we just went through, to tell him you have every right to be angry, but you can't stay there. You have to remember who God is and how much he loves you and walk them through to their kissing the wave. So church from our family, thank you from that family. And the, the countless other youth pastors and spouses that we get to care for. Thank you. Thank you for believing in us and investing in us. It means more than you will ever know. So what I'd love to do in this last moment is just to pray for you. Because like I said, I know the seasons are coming. There'll be disappointment. There'll be anger. And when that happens, I want you to be honest. But I want you to remember who he is. And then kiss the wave. Let's pray together.